Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. I'm coming to you from our studio at Lambeau Field. Wes is across the hall as we continue our Zoom-oriented shows here. Wes, Sunday afternoon, 3.25 p.m. Central Time kickoff. The Philadelphia Eagles will take on the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. Green Bay is eight and three, trying to get to nine and three at the three-quarter pole of the 2020 regular season. So let's get right into it. What is it going to take? What are the keys to victory here for Green Bay against Philly? Well, I like that you said three-quarter pole. We always do the first quarter yeah. pole. I, I, it seems like we always abandon it, uh, that, I that, that phrasing. I did that just for your benefit. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, you know, for the Green Bay Packers, I look at this matchup a lot in a lot of ways, Mike, is very similar to last week's game against the Chicago Bears and what they need to do and what has to happen. Now, the interesting thing about Philadelphia is for as up and down as their seasons has been, for as many injuries as they've had specifically on the offensive side of the ball and even more specifically on the offensive line, they've kind of been in the front-running spot of the division for most of the season. Now they finally fall out of that. So, you can look at the records. You can talk about the records in the NFC East. The truth of the matter is that for the standpoint of where we're talking, they're still very much in the playoff hunt. So I, I think Green Bay in this matchup, it really comes down to, again, establishing the run, being able to get yards off of a Philadelphia defense that, as you wrote about, you know, has still been playing pretty well this year. Doug Peterson even mentioned during his conference call with Green Bay Media on Wednesday that, you know, in a lot of ways, they've been the ones that have sort of paced them this year when you talk about playing you know, full, complete football. Uh, it has really been the, the defense that has set the tone. But for Green Bay, I, I just thought they really set the blueprint last week. You start out fast. You you be efficient with the ball. You protect the football. You get a couple takeaways. Green Bay's had at least one now in their last four games, eight total during that time. Carson Wentz has been turning over the ball at a pretty prolific rate for 2020. There's so many things in this matchup that I think all signs point to Green Bay but you actually have to go out there and execute that the way they did against the bears in order to make that a reality. Yeah. It's interesting that you draw the parallel with the bears game, because I see that as well from the standpoint that this Philadelphia Eagles team has a legit top 10 defense and the Chicago bears at last week, the, the strength of their team in trying to stay in the playoff hunt in the NFC has been their defense on the flip side. It's an offense that has struggled in Philadelphia. They haven't really found their footing. You know, you mentioned the injuries on the offensive line. They've also, in terms of establishing who are the really, who are the go-to guys for Carson Wentz um, as the quarterback of this Eagles offense, they haven't really found that. And, uh, you know, much like the, the Bears have been struggling on offense for the bulk of the season. When I look at this game, I look at a couple of statistics that jump out at me. One is that Carson Wentz has been sacked 46 times this year, which leads the NFL. The other is that the Philadelphia Eagles defensively have 36 sacks, which is tied for second in the NFL. So as I mentioned on our three things video yesterday, this game just kind of jumps out at me from a matchup perspective as protect your quarterback, get after the other guy's quarterback. That, yeah. that, that's what the, that's what this game, you know, kind of screams at you. And, you know, I like the Packers chances in that respect because we've seen Green Bay's offensive line handle injuries, position shuffling, everything else throughout the course of the season. And Philly's offensive line has, has not handled that nearly as well. I think 
the Packers have a big edge in the in the trenches in terms of the offensive lines in this matchup. And I think that's really what should what should hopefully carry Green Bay to victory. Well, and this is what hurts for for the Eagles too, is that Mike, you know, you and I mentioned you know, there's a lot of different shuffling and, and injuries that have happened with the line this year, but for the most part, they've been able to get most guys back. Uh, Lane Taylor obviously was lost for the season to his knee injury in week one. But, you know, as David Bakhtiari was out of the lineup for a little bit, Billy Turner missed a game. Um, now you're dealing with Corey Lindsley and the knee injury. But again, the Packers are hopeful that he won't be done for the season. For the Eagles, they haven't been so fortunate. Now they just lost Lane Johnson again. And the other side of things, too, uh, you go back to Andre Dillard missing time. I mean, Brandon Brooks has been out, uh, still on PUP, hasn't played this season. Uh, that, those are three big components of their line that they've not had throw in Zach Ertz and these other issues, but the, the statistics, Mike, when they, when you look at them, they just, they're mind boggling for the Eagles this season. I mean, you have Carson Wentz at 46 sacks. I think the next closest is Russell Wilson with maybe 35. Uh, the takeaway numbers, 15 interceptions. There's three other quarterbacks that are tied with 11. Uh, you know, from Doug Peterson's perspective, he boiled it down to three things. It comes down to takeaways. There's been too many of them. He comes down to injuries, and then he mentions it's just the overall execution. When they have protected the football, they just haven't produced enough. So seeing exactly what this game plan is going to look like for them, you know, do you see Jalen Hurts in this matchup? Are they more committed to Miles Sanders in this game? Can they get Travis Fulham going again uh, after he had an imp impressive part of the season but has kind of gotten quiet here? There's so many different things that play into this, but ultimately it's going to come down to the turnover margin and whether or not Green Bay can keep their takeaways coming – and also prevent take, you know, giving up the ball to a very talented Philadelphia defense and experience. Yeah. And the other thing, when you talk about injuries now, at the time we're taping this episode on Thursday morning, we don't really know a whole heck of a lot, but Fletcher Cox in the middle yeah. of that defensive line for the Eagles, he missed practice on Wednesday. He cropped up on the injury report with a neck injury. Not a whole lot of information right now as to how serious it is. Not entirely unusual for a team coming off of a Monday night game to add some guys to the injury report and maybe they won't practice until later in the week. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, the Packers caught a break when Akeem Hicks was not available due to his hamstring injury for the Chicago game. If Fletcher Cox is not available for the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, that's, that's another potential stroke of good fortune here. Now, that being said, I think, you know, Philadelphia certainly has the edge rushers with, uh, Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett, you know, Javon Hargrave is the other defensive tackle in the middle of that front four. Those guys are no slouches either. But again, the, you know, the Bears have a heck of a front four. And uh, when Akeem Hicks was missing, the Chicago Bears just didn't look the same. And you wonder if Fletcher Cox is unable to go, how much of a, a change to this Philly defense, which is ninth in the league in total yards, which is fifth in the league, I believe, or tied for fifth and third down defense. You wonder how much that would change things uh, based on what we saw with Chicago last week. And there's just no way to replace them. That, that's the other thing with Hicks. You know, there's just there's there's no guys that play the position the way that Fletcher Cox plays it. I'm not talking about in Philadelphia. I'm talking the National Football League right now. He is among a handful of defensive tackles that can not only stop the run, but can also get after the passer too. I'm trying to remember, Mike, exactly where he is on sacks for them this season. Yeah, he's, Stevie has five and a half. He's second right now behind Brandon Graham and sacks. I mean, that's the dimension he brings to this thing. He is just such a force in the middle of that defense. And as you said too, neck injuries are so weird when they pop up on the, the injury report because they can be 
you know, your basic stingers or, or those type of things where guys just take a day off. I think Kamal Martin had a neck injury on the Packers injury report, not a big deal. Or it can be something that crops up like Daniil Hunter did, where at first they're thinking, okay, maybe this is something he can play through. Next thing you know, they're talking about fusion surgery. So it's so vague and ambiguous. We don't know when we're talking about this right now exactly what the week is going to forecast for him. But certainly Cox being on there, it was a short injury report for the Eagles, but a lot of guys on that list that are their premier players. Well, quickly here, Wes, before I forget some sponsor business, Sirius XM NFL Radio Channel 88 is the only radio outlet dedicated to the National Football League seven days a week, 365 days a year. And Packers fans score up to $500 for your devotion to the pack when you open a Packers checking account from Associated Bank. Learn more at AssociatedBank.com backslash Packers. All right. Another thing we we should... uh, talk about here before we move on to the rest of the schedule in the NFL for this week. Packers have a new addition to their offense, and I'm talking about wide receiver Tavon Austin. Packers have signed him, brought him into the mix. He uh, did a Zoom call with reporters on Wednesday after practice. This is an interesting addition here, Wes, because uh, much like last year at this time, The Packers are looking for some kind of a boost on special teams, some kind of a spark for the return game because the Packers just have not been able to, uh, you know, to bust any explosive, you know, impactful returns so far this year. And we saw last year when Tyler Irvin was the guy who came in in early December and provided that Matt LaFleur wasted no time whatsoever in getting him involved in the offense in the jet motions and having some packages for uh, for Irvin down the stretch in um, this Green Bay offense. So what are your thoughts, I guess, at this point on Tavon Austin and uh, perhaps what we might see not only potentially on Sunday, but as the month of December rolls on here for Green Bay? Yeah, I like the move for Green Bay, and I like the time in which they made the move. Because right now, Mike, the Packers are actually been relatively healthy. It looks like Alan Lazard got through whatever that issue was at the end of the game after that hit he took from Jalen Johnson. He was limited on Wednesday with a core injury, but nothing new on that. was cleared to return. He just didn't because of the game situation. Appears like Marquez Valdez-Scantling after a little scare with the Achilles appears to be okay. Equinemia St. Brown is getting healthier. And Tyler Irvin certainly coming back from the rib injury is something we're going to have to continue to monitor. But all things considered, the Packers offense is at the skill positions is as healthy as it's been all season long. So what does guy like Tavon Austin add to this unit? He adds another option. He adds a guy that not only can help you potentially on returns, specifically punt returns. He's done it every year he's been in the National Football League. But he also could potentially fit into this Matt LaFleur scheme as sort of that motion guy, the pre-snap guy coming across the line. He joked about he did not run a 40 uh, during his workout with the Packers, but still feels like he can run a 4-3. Now, all those things being said, him learning this offense and understanding the nuances of it, that's going to be a big challenge here. But you look at what Tyler Irvin did last season, coming in late, getting claimed from the uh, waivers from Jacksonville. He brought a lot. And by the time the season was over, he not only had been the guy that helped rejuvenate the return units, He also become kind of an interesting gadget player in this offense. I think with having a guy like Austin in the fold now with his experience and also having some of those, you know, those traits that Irvin has, it's another guy that's in this equation for Matt LaFleur to play with during the final stretch of the season. And if injuries crop up down the stretch or in the playoffs, here's another veteran presence that you have to potentially be able to take the workload off some young guys. Yeah. Austin, a guy who, uh, 
he's dealt with some injuries the last few years and kind of derailed his career a little bit. Now he does have some experience, obviously, with with Matt LaFleur when LaFleur was the offensive coordinator with the Rams. Also with uh, with Ben Sermons, the Packers running backs yeah. coach, um, has some experience with him as well. Um, I'll be interested to see just uh, just what he brings to the table because you know all the athletic ability is there. Maybe, as he said, maybe he's not a 4-2 guy in the 40 anymore, but he thinks he can still run a 4-3. But this is a guy This is a guy with a lot of talent, came into the league with a lot of pedigree as a top 10 pick. And quite frankly, he's looking for the restart, in a sense, to his career. He's, he's, he's looking to get things back on track. And maybe Green Bay is, uh, is just the right opportunity with an offense like Matt LaFleur's. Well, and that's where Matt LaFleur's had this Midas touch, Mike, for finding these types of players and being able to to find a niche for them in the offense, a role. And that was something that Aaron Rodgers kind of alluded to during his conference call with the reporters on Wednesday. The fact that, yeah, I mean, is Tavon Austin going to be a guy that is going to be playing 60 snaps offensively a game? Probably not, not at least right away. But if you can find something that he does well and build packages off of it, you saw what Tyler Irvin adds to this unit, especially when he's been healthy here. I, I just, that's the intriguing aspect to me with this whole thing. You look at the body types that the Green Bay Packers have on the offensive side of the ball. You have your Mercedes Lewis's of the world, just amazing physical specimens. Uh, Robert Tanyan, a tall tight end, tall receivers. And now some of these guys that fit on the other side of the spectrum. That, when you look at it in your game planning, you're creating these types of things for opposing defenses. That's another thing that they have to think about. But first things first, he has to get healthy here. He has to get back in football shape, as he said, and show that when that opportunity comes, he's still very much that first-round pick that he was seven years ago. Yeah, that's definitely his objective, no question about it. Well, I want to get your thoughts, Wes, on a handful of games across the league um, in the NFL here as we head into the weekend because there there are some interesting matchups. First, right in the NFC North, the Detroit Lions at the Chicago Bears. Um, some are calling this the, you know, the last stand for the bears to, to say, you know, Hey, we are going to be a contender. We're going to be in this thing down the stretch. They're facing a Detroit lions team that now has an interim head coach, the former Wisconsin Badgers Rose bowl winning quarterback, former Packers assistant coach, Daryl Bevel now taking the reins in Detroit. What are your thoughts on this NFC North matchup? Must win game for the bears uh, in so many different ways. Uh, First off to be six and six and still keep yourself in the outside you know, part of the division equation, the playoff equation, you have to get this win. But more importantly, Mike, this slide that they've been on here, uh, you know, now five and six and this losing streak and not being able to really right the ship. And they thought that maybe they had the answer with Nick Foles and, and obviously he let him back in that one game. But the, the you know, kind of the downfall here in the month of November, uh, it has them really reeling here and seeing exactly where they're going to be able to fit and if Matt Nagy can kind of corral the horses here and get this thing turned back in the right direction, because on the other sideline, that's going to be at your own home field. You're seeing a Detroit Lions team that just went through an incredible amount of upheaval. Now we've covered enough of these interim coaches, Mike, we've seen it enough in the national football league. These things go one of two ways, either teams come together or they fall apart. Very rarely is it somewhere in the middle. It's a big gut check for both of these squads, but especially the bears who still want to be in that conversation for a playoff spot here in 2020. Well, speaking of interim coaches, the Atlanta Falcons will be hosting the New Orleans Saints this weekend. And now the Falcons under Raheem Morris, who took over for Dan Quinn, 
if Todd Gurley falls down on the one yard line against the Detroit Lions, the Falcons would be five and one under Raheem Morris. And now this is a Saints team that is atop the NFC nine and two, one game ahead of the Packers and the Seahawks for the best record in the conference. But the Saints do not have Drew Brees back yet at quarterback. The Falcons coming off of a blowout win over the Raiders last week with many people pegging the Raiders as a playoff contender in the AFC, having beaten the Chiefs earlier in the year and taking the Chiefs to the wire in the rematch. So an interesting one here with uh, the Saints trying to stay in that top spot in the NFC against a division rival without Drew Brees. Yeah, and that's the biggest question here. Taysom Hill, now that teams have had a chance to get a couple weeks of film on him, how are they going to defend him? Because I I always think it's too simplistic to say, well, if someone been figured out, if a guy is good enough, you're not going to be able to figure him out. He's going to be able to pivot and do other things differently. But last week was certainly a little bit more adversity than what Hill had grown accustomed to facing, specifically as a passer. So how does he fare in a matchup like this against an Atlanta Falcons team that whose defense, you know, still is what it is, but now seems to have a little bit more of its own swagger back and they have this game and at home in their own dome. So, uh, this is going to be one of these teams down the stretch, I think, with the Falcons that the record might not indicate that they're obviously going to be in the playoffs or they're even a contender at this point. But with Matt Ryan, with those weapons, it still makes you think a little bit. So the New Orleans Saints have had some ups and they've had some downs this season, but seeing how they're able to stem this tide to when Drew Brees gets back in the lineup, that's going to be their ultimate test. And squarely, that's going to fall on the shoulders of Taysom Hill. One more in the NFC, I want to get your thoughts on, then also one in the AFC. The Rams are at the Cardinals. Now, just a couple of weeks ago, the Cardinals win a big game over Buffalo on a Hail Mary. They're riding high. The Rams get a big win over the Seahawks. They're riding high. But now since those wins, both of these teams kind of starting to head in the wrong direction a little bit. But yet they're both still very much in playoff contention in the NFC. And, you know, you don't want to say it's a must win for both teams, so to speak, at this stage. I think that's a little bit of a stretch. But this is an important game in uh, in the NFC West with Seattle sitting on top and both of these teams trying to stay within striking distance of the Seahawks. Yeah, it's a really interesting kind of paradox that those two teams find themselves in because from the Arizona Cardinals perspective, this is a team that I think is going to be good. And I think they are going to be a team. I, if I'm the Green Bay Packers, I mean, any of these squads, I don't want to see the Cardinals in the playoffs just because it has a lot of that 2009 sort of feel to them where they can put up points against anybody but they still haven't quite reached that upper echelon where it's like, okay, every single week you can count on them for these points, for this production to be favored. Uh, They're still sort of in many ways, especially with Kyler Murray, still learning how to win uh, at this level. Then you look at the Rams who very much felt like last year they could have competed for a title. And this year they still feel like they're built to compete, you know, even though they've had to make a few changes on both sides of the ball. This is another one of those games, Mike, that if you look at it from LA's perspective, they're going into Arizona's home field. Can they find a way to get that eighth win of the season? Because not only does that keep you then in striking distance of the Seahawks, but there's going to be some tight matchups here down the stretch in both conferences to get those wild card berths, even though they expanded to seven, I still think there's a chance that you're going to end up seeing a decent team or two, not able to crack that field if it does stay at 14 teams. So yeah, division implications, everything else that plays into it, it's definitely a marquee matchup. One game in the AFC I want to get your thoughts on. Cleveland is at Tennessee. Now, we've seen the Titans 
The Titans got off to a hot start this year, went through a bit of a lull. They lost three out of four games. Now the Titans have come out the other side of it and they look like they're looking a lot like that team that was making that run last January, all the way to the AFC title game. The flip side with the Cleveland Browns, if you want to announce to the AFC and announce to the football world that you're to be taken seriously as an AFC playoff contender, this is a huge opportunity for Cleveland. They, they have a winning record. They are in the mix for a playoff spot, but there are a lot of people that are skeptical. They don't really quite believe in the Browns. They're not really sure what to think of the Browns. Well, Cleveland, here's your chance. Well, you should believe in the Browns because I think they've started to find their identity offensively. I think you know, when you look at Baker, Baker Mayfield doing a better job of protecting the ball this season, I, I think he's shown more of the promise that he showed off the bat. Uh, he's been able to recapture that. And they have a really potent one-two punch in their backfield uh, with you know Kareem Hunt being able to kind of get his career back on track. And Nick Chubb also has been one of the more consistent, reliable running presences in this league. To me, if you're the Cleveland Browns, that's the ticket. Doesn't matter if it's 2020. Doesn't matter if it's 2010. Uh, you play in in the Midwest. You're you're a blue collar city. Find your running game and build things off of that. You don't need to be Hollywood. You just need to be black and blue in that division. So, I, I like the direction they've gone. Now that being said, you're going up against a team that does it as well as anybody with Derrick Henry and certainly Ryan Tannehill, who has had one of the more unheralded seasons this year as far as playing the quarterback position, how he has reinvented himself in Tennessee. Uh, It's something that people down the line are going to have to look at. When he played for as long as he did with Miami, not being able to fulfill his potential, he got that prove-it deal, that backup deal that we often talk about with quarterbacks that don't work out at their first stop. And it actually ended up turning into a franchise quarterback, a franchise contract. So it's a good matchup. And then the other side of this too, too, Mike, like I mentioned with the the last thing, there's probably going to be a team with a winning record that doesn't make the AFC playoffs. Up until last week, I think Cleveland was still on the outside looking in until they got their eighth win in terms of how the projected, you know, slots are right now in seedings. So yeah, they're both teams that are both eight and three, but there's still a lot on the line here and being able to pick up that, that next win and ensure themselves of a winning season. I think the reason there's there is the skepticism about the Browns is because the last time earlier this year they had a game where they were this hyped. Yep. And you know, going into play the Steelers, they got smacked. And they did. you know, they 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 got knocked down pretty hard. So this is uh this is definitely a, a prove it type of game for Cleveland. And what's fun for them too is they're gonna have a chance to show that that wasn't them. I mean, they're gonna be yeah. able to host yeah. Pittsburgh in that finale. Now people will see if whether or not even the starters are gonna be in that game for Pittsburgh. Are they gonna be going for 16 and 0? All things we're going to have to figure out. But if you look at the way the schedule lines up for them, Mike, they get Tennessee. They're going to be taking on a Baltimore team that's had a lot of adversity. And then they go the New York teams back to back. This thing's set up for Cleveland to have a 10-win season, 10-plus win season, and make that run, that that long-anticipated run to a playoff berth that I think everybody has been sort of hoping for here the last four years in, in that part of the country. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com and all of the coverage of Sunday afternoon's big game from Lambeau Field against the Philadelphia Eagles. It'll all be there for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.